Well, again, part of our community is in Dallas this morning because of those, the Winterfest, that event every year. Uh, young people from around, uh, uh, not just Texas, but uh, all around, uh, come together uh, for a weekend of praise and, and Bible study and, and worship God. Uh, Winterfest group does one in Dallas and one in Gatlinburg, and so most of the young people uh, in Churches of Christ that are east of the Mississippi River go to Gatlinburg. Uh, and it, it'll be about a month from now. Uh, it's the same people that will make the speeches and the presentations at both places, but it is a, a, a good event for our kids to be a part of. And I think uh, uh, there should probably be about three or 4,000 uh, teenagers gathered for that event. So it, it, it is indeed a, a time for them. We miss their being here because they are indeed part of our, our community. But we understand that they uh, are profiting a great deal. But it's God's intention that believers, believers in Jesus, those who believe that he indeed is the Christ, the Son of God, uh, that we form a society or uh, a fellowship, a, a body uh, that you, in which we are united where we can serve our God. There are a number of advantages in being a community rather than being by ourselves. We, we encourage one another to, uh, as we walk in our Christian fellowship, we, we support each other. First. Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the fainthearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good and to one another and to everyone. Here, the apostle is saying, in your fellowship, in your group, in your congregation, then Encourage each other. Uh, admonish those that aren't ministering, aren't, aren't serving. Uh, be kind to each other. Uh, do good to, all, every, uh, to the church. Indeed, be good to everybody. But God wants us to help each other out. He wants us to be in a group, a community, a body, so we can help each other, so we can support one another. Uh, Sometimes life can be hard if we are by ourselves, if we are facing the struggles of just living by ourselves, it can be really difficult. So we need a community for support. When one person's faith is weak, another may be strong that time, and so they lift up the weak, they encourage the weak. Mutual support keeps the body working together, keeps each one of us working together. So much easier to reach out to the lost when we have the support of one another as we reach out. If we're by ourselves, it can be very difficult, very hard to have the courage to reach out. We need one another. Uh, but there are a lot of people in this world that do not want to participate in this community, in the church. They'd rather go alone. They'd rather be out there by themselves, uh, and they'll give a lot of excuses. 
they think that they are justified by their excuses, saying, well, this is my reason. But in reality, they're all just excuses uh, for their lack of participation in what is sometimes called organized religion, churches. Uh, It's generally, well, sometimes we hear people say, well, I love Jesus, but I just hate religion. Well, uh, all of us have heard that, but it really shows a misunderstanding of what religion is. Uh, Perhaps even among those of us who participate in organized religion, because we've given the wrong impression to the world that doesn't know Jesus. But wanting Jesus and not the community of Jesus is, in reality, individualism to the extreme. Uh, And, for that matter, to one's own hurt, one's own demise. Individualism, in this mindset, says, well, uh, it's my faith, it's my decision, and generally it's, well, I'll do what I want to do and not what uh, someone else or maybe even the scriptures, the Bible tells me to do. Uh, and again, maybe some of us are at fault there because we have said things in such a way or maybe our example has been in such a way that we've given the wrong impression as to what God wants out of us. Our messed up practice of religion might have made the church unattractive to some. Uh, Maybe even the churches, and I'm speaking general throughout Christianity, because there are a lot of churches, and I can remember when I was growing up and different ones trying to justify all of the denominations would say, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. But, you know, sometimes there are unintended consequences. If it doesn't matter what I believe, as long as I believe, then I can believe that I'm okay just doing nothing. And as long as I say, well, Jesus is the Christ, well, I'm good. Well, you know, that's individualism to the extreme. It does really matter what we believe. Sometimes, however, because of that, there are people that think they're right by rejecting the church, but they're wrong. You ever think about what Jesus had some really harsh words to the Pharisees, uh, those that gave the wrong impression of the practice of Judaism, uh, a skewed impression of Judaism. And some people think that Jesus rejected all of that. But if you really look at the life of Jesus, he didn't. He went to the synagogue every Sabbath. (laughs) Even though he had harsh words for some of the leaders, he was still there. And he went to the temple. He was still there. He didn't reject religion because of some bad practitioners. (laughs) Jesus was still faithful to the will of God. Another excuse that we hear sometimes is, uh, well, I just don't get anything out of church membership. There's no reason for me to go there because they don't have anything that I need. Well, that's consumerism to a fault. 
Uh, it's not a servant attitude. It's not a, uh, an attitude of one who really wants to serve God. It's someone that's just looking for, well, it's consumerism. What, what's in it for me? Without a, a immediate gratification, a lot of us will quit. You know, we, and, and that's getting worse. With the electronic generation now, if it doesn't work right the first two or three seconds, <laughs> then we get aggravated and we're ready to, uh, uh, to try something different that will give us instant gratification. That's this idea that's behind the people. Well, I'll go there for a while or I'll go there for a while or I'll just not be anywhere because it's not giving me what I want. I'll listen to a TV guy for a while or I'll read a book for a while and that's... Somehow we think we'll get more benefit if we run here or if we run there. Truth is, if you don't put something into it, you'll never really get anything out of it. And so if we want some true long-term benefit from God, we got to give something to God. We do that through his kingdom, through his church, through this community. Or there might be some momentary benefit as we graze by or run by some group, some fellowship, some... uh, we We might have some instant gratification. But if we're not giving ourselves then after a few days or a few weeks, then we'll not have any more benefit. Another reason for staying spiritually aloof that I think is more real is a fear of condemnation. I really don't want to change who I am. And I know that if I stay who I am, with all my warts, uh, and uh, go over there, somebody may expect me to change. And I'm really as good as they are anyhow, and so I don't need to change. As long as then I stay aloof and not really a member, then nobody's got a right to tell me what to do or how I need to change. And so we don't become a part because, well, we don't want anybody to tell us what we can and can't do. That again shows a complete misunderstanding of what the community of disciples is, what the community of Christians are. What is a Christian? Well, he's a disciple of Jesus. Well, how do I become a disciple of Jesus? By being like Jesus. And so if I'm living in a way that isn't Christ-like, I need to change that. And so the church is a community of people who are changing like Jesus. And I think that's the problem. So many times we're, we're part of the world and we don't want to change. We want to keep all of our, we like our warts. We like our imperfections. We like our sin. We don't want to change. 
Uh, now, sometimes, again, we may have been at fault because we've corrected people in a harsh way, not a loving way. Uh, scripture tells us that truth needs to be presented in gentleness and love. Uh, another fact today is that very few churches are confrontational. It doesn't matter what background it is. Uh, more of them are more accepting, unfortunately, of more and more sin rather than helping people be like Jesus. Jesus confronted sin. And so to say that, well, I want Jesus, but I want the church. Jesus confronted sin more than anybody else. He's still associated with sinners. But he challenged their immorality. He challenged their, their hypocrisy. He challenged their greed. Uh, perhaps another reason for the lack of membership today is found in that we just really, even though we claim we love Jesus, we love the world. That's what we really love. We like being in the world. We like all of the stuff that's in the world and all of the, the we don't want to be different from the world, uh, from the disbelievers around us because we don't want their criticism. And so we are more like them. We don't want membership there with a group that, that the world disapproves. Oh, and the world today is very disapproving of real believers. We don't want to make sacrifices today and fun or uh, the enticements that the world offers to us. And so we hold off. Instead of being a, a part of the community, we are a part of that community over there. We still want to be part of the world. And so we aren't part of the community. Jesus said we cannot love him and love the world as well. Luke 16 verse 13, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We could substitute almost any word. You cannot serve God in the world. You cannot serve God in, in whatever it is. Well, there may be a lot of other reasons why people aren't part of the community of believers. This probably covers 90% of the excuses or the reasons. But what does the scripture say about being part of of a community of believers about having a membership in this group, being part of the group. Remember in Jerusalem when Peter preached that gospel sermon, the text that we read this morning? There was an immediate clinging together. Immediately there was a bond that bound them together as a body, as a group. Look again. Listen again to the words here that Luke writes in Acts chapter 2. 
And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And an awe came upon every soul, and uh, many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. There was an immediate bond that bound them together. Even in the very early days of the church, they recognized the importance of being part of this fellowship, part of this group. The community of believers wanted to be together to worship God. This community of the saved wanted to be together to support one another. This community of disciples wanted to be together to learn, to disciple This community of Christians wanted to be together to share with one another so that none from their group would have been hungry or none from their group would have been needing. None from their group would have been without. This community of believers were quick to accept all who believed in Jesus, receiving them into their their fellowship so that they might serve God together. Or a few years later, you know, Saul, who had been persecuting the church, decided to go to Damascus, where he could persecute Christians there. But on the way, Saul saw Jesus. Jesus appeared to him. He sees the risen Jesus. Now he believes that Jesus is the Christ. He's baptized, as the text tells us, as the text tells us uh, there by Ananias in uh, Damascus, and immediately begins preaching the gospel, proclaiming to all, Jesus is the Christ. Not long afterwards, he returns to Jerusalem, but the church in, in Jerusalem is afraid of him. But the first thing Paul does, or he's still called Saul, but the first thing he does He wants to be part of the group. He wants to be part of that community of faith in Jerusalem. Acts 9, verse 26, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the, name of, uh, in the name of Jesus. Even in that community of faith where Paul now is feared, Barnabas understood the importance of having Christians together and how it would be very important to Paul. If Paul is not accepted, then, then Paul can't live by himself, not spiritually. He had to be welcomed into the group. And so Barnabas reaches out and helps Paul become part of that community 
of faith. That group of disciples. That church. The body in Jerusalem. The writer of Hebrews tells us some similar things about how important it is to be part of the group. Hebrews 13, verse 17, Obey the leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your soul as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grieving, for what would be, for that would be of no advantage to you. Before, uh, in chapter 10, Hebrews 22, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting the, uh, to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, this book was written probably 60 or 70 years after Pentecost when the church began. Uh, and it appears as though that the, the sense of the importance of being part of the group, of participating in the group, was waning, that, that some didn't see that as, uh, as important. So the writer is saying, no, guys, you've got to be part of the group. You've got to work together. You've got to see the importance of the body, see the importance of the fellowship of, uh, of this community of faith. Come together for worship. Come together to serve the Lord. Encourage one another. And remember to obey your leaders because they're going to give an account to God for your soul. We're trying to be out there by ourselves, then we don't have a leader. We have, we have exited ourselves, withdrawn ourselves from those people who have God's, God's given, the God-given responsibility of helping us mature. Christians need to be part of a community of faith. Christians need to be part of a body uh, to work together, to serve the Lord together, to support and encourage one another. That's God's design. That's God's purpose. Uh, God designed the church so that believers would form a community of concern and care for one another. Uh, we become a group. We are a group with one another responsibilities. I don't know how many one another passages there are in the New Testament, but there are dozens of them uh, that give each one of us a responsibility for each other of us. Uh, and if we're not part of a group, then we cannot fulfill that passage. If I'm not part of a one another, these passages, I can't, Fulfilled. I can't obey God if I'm not part of a one another group. Jesus, in fact, starts it off by giving us one another responsibilities. Uh, John 13, verse 34, 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Who am I loving? Other believers. Just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I'm not part of the disciple group. How can I love other disciples? If I've not learned to love you, Jesus says, 
I don't have at least that evidence that I am a disciple of Jesus. I can't claim to be a friend of Jesus if I'm not a friend of you. Paul said that we are in the body members of one another. Uh, Romans 12, verse 4, 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. The body, this group of believers, we all have different talents, different abilities, different ways of serving God, and it is for the benefit of each other. And so if I am not giving my talent to you, then I'm withholding it from God. If I'm not using, if my hand is not serving, then I have crippled all of us together. If I'm not part of the body, then I'm declaring that I think the body can serve without a hand or without an arm or without a voice. We are part of a group to serve and love one another. Romans 15 Verse 5, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God. And drop down in verse 14. And I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. In the body, in the community of believers, we are to help and instruct and encourage one another. Now, we share our our Christian life together in the body. And so if I'm out there by myself trying to serve God away from the body. Well, I can't do this. I've got to be in in the body, in the group, in order to fulfill this mandate from God. Paul tells uh, in the Corinthians that they need to be united in Christ, not divided, not thousands of individual people just out there by themselves, but Christians united together. Second, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25, 26, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We must be a united group. Not only so that the world of non-believers see us together, and therefore that they might believe, answering the prayer of Jesus, but to serve one another, to help one another, to cry on each other's shoulders and to rejoice with each other in good times, to serve one another. Paul says that we have a responsibility to help each other grow and to prosper. But if I'm out there by myself, no fellowship, no association with others, how can I fulfill this responsibility to help you grow? Ephesians 4, verse 32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as 
God in Christ forgave you. Chapter 5, verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We serve, we encourage, we teach, we sing to one another. James tells us to be open and honest to one another. That might fear, <laughs> frighten a lot of, of us. But James says, come to each other and be open with each other. Remember, you are a family. You should be a close-knit group, a community of believers together. James 5, verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The community of faith must be caring and loving and open and honest and deeply concerned for one another. We pray for one another in loving concern. As I said, there are a lot of one another passages. We'd be here for a couple of three hours if we were to look at all of them. The church is a community. It's a community of believers with responsibility for one another. It is a community of worshipers helping everybody to praise God. The church is a community of servants serving one another and helping each, uh, uh, all of us serve in the name of God together. It's a community of the saved bound together by the blood of Jesus and His commandment. Shouldn't need to be a discussion. It should be something that we just immediately uh, grasp for. At first it was, back there in that early church in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, immediately they were together. It doesn't even appear that they had to be told that. They just understood, this is, this is a new bond that binds us together. Years later, from what we read in, in Hebrews, apparently they had begun to lose that enthusiasm. We need to always be encouraged. The Winsboro Church is a community. We believe together. We serve one another and we serve our community together. We serve this town together. We love one another and we seek to show our love for one another together. Because we are bound together by the grace of Jesus, by the love of Jesus, by His sacrifice, by God placing us together in a body. We appreciate the body working together in love. We seek to be like the church in Jerusalem. We seek to be like the church that we read about in the Scripture. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together 
and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Be part of the body. Appreciate the body. Appreciate this community of faith. Be active in this community of disciples. Of course, we get to be part of the body by being born again. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We are saved by what Jesus did on the cross and our faith in Him. Then our obedience, our decision, I will follow Him. Those that made that decision in Jerusalem were baptized that day. About 3,000 were buried with Him in baptism for the remission of their sins. If you haven't been buried with Christ yet, Do that today. Receive His grace today and be added to the church today. 